Hello, welcome. This is Gary Rogowski for the Northwest Woodworking Studio. Today's podcast is five hand planes. Five hand planes you need to have. Five hand planes you must have. Top five hand planes. This is it. Here's the list. Now, let me point out that this is just my opinion. (laughs) This is just how I feel about things. Uh, In conversation with Thomas Lee Nielsen some months back about his favorite hand plane, uh, it's different than mine. So bear that in mind as you listen to my list. But these are the hand planes that I find indispensable. These are the ones I go to all the time. And, And I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you about them. Know, too, that uh, as my uh, years as a furniture maker have gone on, I consider a hand plane not a collectible, as some of my apprentices over the years were involved with hand planes. It was just, you know, how rare were they? And, and that, that never appealed to me. Uh, I, I'm... I look for users. That's what I want. You know, if you go on the on Patrick Leach's uh, website or uh, John Zimmer's website to, to find old tools, uh, you'll see that uh, they'll, they'll point out users sometime. So those are those are hand planes that have been a little bit beat up in use, and people aren't interested in in looks or pristine quality or the original container or box that it came in. Uh, they want a tool that works. And that's my purpose. I want I want users. And I found that over the years, they saved me time. They saved me time in prepping work. They saved me time in joinery. And they saved me time in cleaning up work. And I would be lost without them. I, I know another woodworker is very good um, and never uses a hand plane, never touches one. I know another one who says, every time I pick up a hand tool, I lose money. There you go. There's a different point of view. Number one, when it comes to milling lumber, I don't use my hand planes. (laughs) Let's be clear about that. I am not flattening this stock by hand. I will, on occasion, let me point out, I will, on occasion, take a scrub plane, big, wide mouth opening, narrow sole, and I'll take a scrub plane sometimes to a precious piece of wood that has a twist to it. And on a twisted board, it can be tough to take it out on the joiner without losing a lot of material. I know how it's not, it's not hard to do, but you can lose more than you want off one corner or the other. With a hand plane, you can specify where you want to take material off. So that's one instance in milling that uh, I might use a hand tool. Otherwise, I'm using my joiner and my planer to get things uh, flat and square, take them to the table saw, rip them to size, cut them to length. Now I'm ready to go. But I will use hand planes throughout the process. And here are the five. Let me just run through this list first, and then I'll talk about them individually. Oh, I got to back up. There are, let's, let's say, four types, basic types of hand planes. So there are these things called bench planes, anywhere from a number one to a number eight. And they vary in length and width as you get larger. Bench planes are set up so that the bevel on the blade faces down, and there's a chip breaker usually on top of the blade, 
And the blade and chip breaker sit on this chunk of usually steel, not always, could be wood. But they sit on this frog or bed at a 45 degree angle. So that's the cutting angle. That's the effective cutting angle of a bench plane, whether it's a number one or a number eight. They're cutting at a 45 degree angle. So that's one category of hand planes, probably the largest category. There are also these things called block planes. Block planes are run bevel side up with the blade. And now the frog is as, not really as, as elaborate as the bench plane, which usually has an, an adjustable frog. So you can move it in and out to adjust the mouth opening. Uh, on bench planes, there are two types. Standard angle, which has a bedding angle of 20 degrees. And then since your blade is bevel side up, you include that in your cutting angle. So you have your 20 degree bedding angle plus, a, say, a 25 degree bevel on your blade. And hey, it's the same as a bench plane. It's 45 degrees. What's going on here? Interesting. So those are the same, same angle. Then there are these things called low angle block planes. And low angle block planes are bettered at a 12 degree angle plus your 25. So it's about a 37 degree cutting angle which means that you can slice through end grain much easier with a low angle tool. And there are several varieties of these. Uh, Lee Nielsen makes a low angle jack plane, which was the first of their tools that I, that I picked up. And uh, it's a great tool, great tool. And they also have a low angle block plane. So block planes are category number two. Then there are joinery style planes. So rabbiting planes and plow planes. Uh, shoulder planes and uh, router planes uh, used for cleaning up joints, uh, creating joints, uh, fine-tuning them. So joinery style planes. And then there's another category, we'll just call them specialty hand planes. Oh geez, uh, there's a compass plane which has a, an adjustable bed on it for different curves. There's spoke shades for curved work. Um, you know, there's some, there's some little odd ones, uh, round-bottomed, uh, double round-bottomed, like a coachmaker's plane. Uh, so that's the last category of hand planes. So let me go back to the beginning with our bench planes, because that's probably what you're going to end up getting first. I would recommend getting a number four. This is called a smoothing plane and has a blade on it, uh, about two inches wide, and the chip breaker on top of it. Uh, bedded, as I said, at a 45-degree cutting angle. And it's a nice size, about 12 inches long, and uh, useful for all sorts of jobs, uh, from chewing an edge, cleaning up the face of some work. If I'm building a drawer or a cabinet, I will, before joinery, take my uh, smoothing plane and clean up the faces, the inside faces of those, of those pieces. It's much faster than sanding. If I get a little tear out, it's not the end of the world. It's the inside of the piece. I've let go quite a bit over the years of that perfectionism that sanding introduces to, to work. So I'll take a hand plane to the inside of the drawer and clean it up. And I'm done. It just takes minutes. Now, you do pick your stock carefully, so you're not working with crazy grain. But, you know, for, for drawer size, you're not talking anything fancy. Uh, back east, a lot of eastern white pine is used. Out west here, alder, uh, western maple can be used, but it's you're not looking for flash here. Uh, 
Uh, you're looking for something that's easy to cut and rel relatively easy to hand plane and, and uh, long wearing. The other bench plane that I would have, because I like to have two at the ready, in truth, I keep one sharper than the other. Well, one gets used more than the other, and so it gets dull, and the other one gets used for that final pass. So I might be using my number four or my number five. Those are the two that I use the most. Um, and I might use the number five for cleaning up the edge of something and then use the number four for truing up a face. Now, I generally put a slight crown in both of the blades, but not such a severe rounding of the cutting edge that it's not really and truly a flat edge. So I can use a hand plane to, to shoot the edge of a board if I need uh, before gluing, or to put a spring joint in a pair of boards before edge gluing. I like having a number four and a number five. It could be a number three and a number four. Uh, it could be a four and a six. I, there are any number of combinations. Here, here, here's, get this. You can get a number one, which is a toy, cute for your grandchildren, uh, but you're not going to be able to use it. A two, there's a three, a four, a four and a half. Why? I don't know. A five, oh, there's a five and a quarter, which I love. Five and a half, a six, seven, eight. It just, it's nuts, the, the variety of, of different bench planes. Some people believe in mass in hand planes. I'm not one of them. Uh, so a four and a half or a five and a half just seems like extra work. If you're using it all day long, you're going you're gonna to tire out. That's what, can, what I can tell you. Um, so I think more important than mass um, is a heavy, thick blade and a good chip breaker. Um, so I've made my own hand planes, and, and they just tend to have a longer sole on them. Uh, they're very light, and they cut great, but it's the stiffness of the blade that makes a difference. So having a longer sole is, is kind of nice. and gives you a truer edge. So that's why a, a number four and a number five are nice compromises for the two hand planes close to my bench. So those are two. Then I want a block plane. Now, I got a block plane from my dad years ago. It was a Stanley standard angle block plane, uh, 103. And um, it was hard to adjust. Just a little lever in the back to kind of move the blade in and out, but it was hard to adjust. But my dad had given it to me, so I learned how to sharpen it, and the blade was so thin, really thin, And but I learned how to sharpen it. My dad had given it to me, and uh, it didn't plane end grain all that well, And but my dad had given it to me. And, uh, you know, this went on for a long time, and then finally uh, Thomas started producing his hand planes and his low angle block plane and I got one and that was it. I put my dad's hand plane up on top of the shelf and there it sits. Every once in a while I take it out and chamfer something or round something over with it. But I use those low angle block planes. I have two of them. All the time. All the time. I love those tools. And uh, that low angle block plane is just an indispensable part of my kit. Now it has rounded sides. The uh, 16 and a half uh, adjustable mouth block plane that uh, gets sold. It's not for me. It's, it, it has flat sides, so you can shoot an edge, and that's sometimes handy. But 
Uh, I like the way the low angle block plane, the 102, fits in my hand. That's just a it's just a superb tool and uh, just does so many jobs for me. So that's the third hand plane I would have is that low angle block plane. I use it for uh, cleaning up edges, cleaning up end grain, that's for sure. Um, shaping. Um, if I've got an area that just needs a little bit of work, it's nicer to have that short sole rather than a long one. Um, I don't may not need everything to be perfectly flat, but I want everything to be nice and flush and smooth, and that block plane will come in there and do the job. Uh, I can flip it around and pull it towards me or push it away. Again, it cuts end grain with just superb results. If it's sharp, <laughs> that is the key. Got to be sharp. But uh, great tool, great tool. So that's number three. My fourth hand plane is a joinery plane, and um, I use for a long period of time a record bullnose plane. So a bullnose plane, mine was about three quarters of an inch wide, and it had a removable nose on it. So I could actually I could shim out the mouth opening. I could take shims out and reduce the size of the mouth opening. Didn't really affect the, the plane that much. And I found it very difficult for it to stay in tune. It like The blade liked to move around a lot. Years later, I finally figured out I needed to grind off one of the, well, the holding part of the lever. Uh, I needed to flatten that. Usually you see levers on uh, shoulder planes and bullnose planes that are just touching at the tip to hold the plane in place. But I flattened mine on this record bullnose plane and made a huge difference. Uh, the problem with the plane is that you can remove the nose and turn it into a chisel plane, which means the nose is really short, which makes it difficult to line up for a cut. So you're trimming a tenon and you want to you know, just take a few cross-grain passes. The nose on it is, you know, I don't know, a quarter inch wide. It's almost useless. Um, that nose needs to be replaced. You'll notice on the shoulder planes how the blade is oh, about almost... You know, at least like a bench plane, a third of the way back uh, along the sole. So you have a nice long nose with which to locate the cut, and then you can make your pass. I have a uh, Clifton uh, shoulder plane, which I just love. Uh, it's a little narrow. It's five-eighths of an inch wide, but boy, it's a sweetheart of a plane. It really is great. There are other great uh, shoulder planes out there, Lee Nielsen. Um, makes, I don't know, three different versions, I think. And Veritas, I think, uh, Lee Valley makes a couple. Uh, they have a nice one. Lee Valley has a nice one with an adjustable handle. You can um, rotate the handle if it's in the way of a cut. It's kind of nice. Get a little finger hole for your index finger. Nice tool. A little big for my, my taste. I prefer a, a smaller, lighter weight one. Uh, and this is what I use for cleaning up joints. Router planes make no sense to me because you're indexing off a face and you've got to support it on the other side. On a long tenon, it gets too difficult. Whereas I can take a shoulder plane and take care of business um, pretty quickly, really pretty quickly. So the shoulder plane is my uh, number four plane, a joinery style hand plane. The last tool indispensable in my kit is a spoke shave, flat bottom spoke shave. I, like you, have bought a round bottom spoke shave and can't figure out what to do with it. Uh, for years, I, I tried, um, but I gave up. Um, I know Curtis Buchanan, uh, the Windsor chairmaker, has got one, and he cut the handles off it so he could use it as a travisher to uh, shape chair seats. It's just impossible to control. It's a bad idea. 
but a flat bottom spoke shave is genius. It has a nice short sole so you can get inside of inside curves, concave curves, but you can use it on a convex surface. Um, I taught myself how to use one years ago and I had a cherry tabletop about, oh, I don't know, 18 inches, 20 inches in diameter. And I decided, okay, I'm going to put a bevel on this with a hard line on right around the middle of that of that edge. So the top was maybe three quarters of an inch thick and right at the three eighths line, all the way around it were two 30 degree angles meeting up at that hard line. And I did it by hand and that was hard to do. It was in cherry, but I learned so much. I got so much good practice with that spoke shape that I pull it out all the time. When I make a, a template, uh, I'll go to the bandsaw, cut it in MDF, and then clean it up with the spoke shave. Uh, the spoke shave has that short sole, but if you angle the tool, turn it at a 45 degree angle to the cut, now you've got a much longer sole, and so it helps ride over the high spots. Or right, I'm sorry, right over the low spots, and you're just cutting the high spots. It'll cut MDF just great, um, and we'll do the same on your uh, project pieces once uh, once you've got them cut. But I use it all the time. I use my spoke shave all the time. And I've got an old Stanley 151. Uh, you can find them used. And uh, replaced the, the blade with a hawk iron. And that made a huge difference. Much better steel. A little bit thicker. Not a lot thicker than the old Stanley blades. But a little bit thicker. And that helps too. Boy, it's just such a valuable tool for shaping and, and uh, any kind of... Uh, Chamfering work or shaping work, spoke shave is just invaluable. Spoon work, um, the list goes on. I'm, I'm lost without my spoke shave, so quite a valuable tool. Oh, you know, I got to back up a little bit because I didn't talk about blades with uh, with our bench planes. So uh, we'll, we'll, I'll go in reverse order. So uh, my spoke shave has a hot iron on it, and I you can order either an O1 or an A2 blade. 01 is oil-hardened steel. It's a little bit softer than A2, air-hardened steel. And that's what I use on my spoke shave. The um, shoulder plane, I couldn't tell you what Clifton used. Um, I imagine it was 01. The block plane is A2, and uh, I get an astonishing edge on that, on that blade. And both my hand planes are uh, 01 tool steel. But... What changed these two tools? So my number four is a Lee Nielsen. My number five is a as an old Stanley. And what changed both of them was, I don't know, about 15 years ago, the design of the chip breaker changed. So it used to be this really thin piece of steel. It was, it was very noticeable because it had this round end to it that was supposed to put pressure on the leading edge as you cut. Well, it did a... Let's be truthful. A half-assed job at best. And a lot of them didn't sit flat on the on top of the blade. And so chips would get jammed underneath there. It was difficult to keep it uh, really fastened firm to the front of the blade. So um, I don't know who came up with the idea, but uh, someone started to make their chip breakers as thick. I think maybe even thicker than the blades now. Um, so just over an eighth of an inch. And with a little slight bend right at the very end of the chip breaker that puts an enormous amount of pressure when you crank that screw down, it puts an enormous amount of pressure at the edge of the blade. So it's not just a chip breaker, it's a blade stiffener. And I think that, that has made all the difference in my hand plane work. 
because the quality of the cut has just changed dramatically. From that old thin Stanley blade and crappy chip record to these stiffened blades, there's a world of difference. And uh, I think what's happening is you're getting less blade flutter in the cut. Blade flutter, what's that? Well, that blade is, is vibrating. If you adjust the frog too far uh, forwards or back, that blade is going to have a hard time because it's not being supported throughout the length of it. Uh, my old uh, hand plane was a hand plane my dad gave me, and um, it was a Stanley, no, it was a Craftsman, number four, probably made by Stanley, but it had this tiny little frog on it. Anyway, I went and took it to a machine shop and had the sole machined flat, but then when I tried to adjust the frog, uh, in some positions it would cut, in others it wouldn't cut at all, uh, because the, I think the sole head was flexing. Um, and I had to stick the blade so far out that the blade would just chatter. It was terrible. Uh, but with these uh, blade stiffeners on there, I, I think it just makes a world of difference in the quality of the cut. Look at an old coffin-style hand plane. Uh, I've got a couple of them uh, from uh, some antique shops uh, over in England. And you'll see that the blade tapers. It's pretty thin at, out, way out at the back end of it. But as it grows towards the towards the front edge, it's close to 3 sixteenths of an inch thick. It's really thick. Why? To cut down on that chatter. And some of those uh, coffin-style hand planes don't even have a chip breaker on them. They just have a wedge that goes on top. So I think the thickness of that blade and cutting down on the movement there makes a huge difference. It just makes a huge difference. I'm not a believer in mass. I'm a believer in blade stiffening and... Uh, that makes a huge difference. Transform my number five from an okay hand plane into the best in the shop. Truthfully, it's the best in the shop. So these are the top five hand planes that I use on a regular basis. I have only, you know, another 15 or 20 that I sometimes use. But these are the ones that, uh, that I draw on the most. Every once in a while I pull out the number three or the five and a quarter uh, or the, you know, skew block plane or... You know, I got all sorts of them. Um, but these are the ones that I really, really go for uh, most of the time that do the bulk of the work. And I think your work will be improved if you learn how to sharpen them, learn how to tune, tune them up. Uh, these hand planes will, uh, will really be time savers for you. So I hope you'll give them a shot. Thanks very much for listening. This has been Gary Rogowski. This is the Northwest Woodworking Studio podcast. Tell your friends. Uh, tell, uh, tell everyone to check out our website, northwestwoodworking.com. Uh, support us on uh, coffee, and if you have questions, drop uh, me a note on coffee, and I'd be happy to answer them online. And uh, please check out our fall schedule of classes. We've got a bunch of great stuff coming up. Love to see you at the studio. Thanks again. Bye-bye.